Good morning, family. Would you stand with us as we pray? God, we are so excited to be in your house today. We are so expectant for you to come and to speak to us, God. So would you quiet our hearts and our minds? Would you fix our eyes on you as this season can be a a busy one and a distracting one? God, would you help us just to rest in you? Would you help us to hear you? Would you clear our thoughts right now just to focus on you and to be a part of what you're doing? God, we just, we respond to you this morning with all of our hearts and all of our souls and with all of our mind. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
Bless the Lord who forgives all our sins. Almighty God, to you all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Jesus said, the first commandment is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. As we prepare to celebrate the mystery of Christ's love, let us acknowledge our sins and ask the Lord for pardon and strength. Most merciful God, I confess that I have sinned against You in thought, word, and deed, by what I have done and by what I have left undone. I have not loved You with my whole heart. I have not loved my neighbors as myself. I am truly sorry, and I humbly repent. For the sake of Your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on me and forgive me, that I may delight in Your will and walk in Your ways. To the glory of your name. Amen. The Almighty and merciful Lord grant you absolution, remission of all your sins, true repentance, amendment of life, and the grace and consolation of his Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. The Lord be with you. Let us pray together the collect. Sorry, let's worship the Lord and then we'll do the collect. <laughs> Our God, infirm foundation, our rock, the only solid ground. Nations rise and fall. Kingdoms once strong now shaken. We trust forever in your name. The name of Jesus. We trust in the
everything you do, we sing to you. Great are you, Lord. You heal, you restore, so we sing to you. I think that um, we forget who created us and we forget how big of a deal it is that we can even breathe and that our hearts are beating and that sun rises and and the moon comes out at night and all these things we kind of just forget about that so just for a moment can we sing with that in mind that we are sustained by the creator of heaven and earth God of the universe, but also the God that is close to your heart. That sustains every breath that we have. And that wants us to partner with Him and what He's doing in the world. We sing how great you are. Great are you. Great are you, Lord, the God of every. 
Lord be with you. 
Let us pray together the Colette. Almighty God, give us grace to cast away the works of darkness and put on the armor of light now in the time of this mortal life in which your Son, Jesus Christ, came to visit us in great humility, that in the last day, when he shall come again in his glorious majesty to judge both the living and the dead, we may rise to the life immortal through him who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Please remain standing as we go through the lighting of the Advent wreath. This is a wonderful tradition that we have here where we get an opportunity to honor the various ministries at St. Michael's and the people who serve us uh, every week, uh, day in and day out. So we're going to honor and recognize uh, some of my favorite people, our tech crew. Uh, So Jake's going to come up as their representative and... That one won't work. We're going to light the Advent candle, and there's responses. But I just wanted to say, sometimes we forget that there are people who serve us all the time to make this happen every week. And the tech crew has just been tirelessly working. There's this kind of phrase in the tech world, first in, last out. They're often the people who come first to set up, and they're the last to leave as they're closing down. So I want to honor Jake, and then my brother Gavin, and Christian, who's up in our broadcast studio Today, I want to honor Katie Powell, who does all the slides and has been running those. My sisters, Marin, Mackenzie, and Madeline run the slides occasionally. And so we just want to make sure that we honor our people because God, I promise you, honors your sacrifice and things you guys have done. All right. Let me give this to you, and then I'm going to grab my notebook here. (laughs) Come and save us, O Lord God of hosts. Come and save us, O Lord God of hosts. Show the light of your countenance and we shall be saved. O Lord God of hosts, glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. Come and save us, O Lord God of hosts. Show us your mercy, O Lord, and grant us your salvation. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, Jake. This morning's first reading is from Isaiah, chapter 64, beginning in verse 1. Oh, that you would rend the heavens, that you would come down, that the mountains might shake at your presence. As fire burns brushwood, as fire causes water to boil, to make your name known to your adversaries, that the nations may tremble at your presence. When you did awesome things for which we did not look, You came down, the mountains shook at your presence. For since the beginning of the world, men have not heard nor perceived by the ear, nor has the eye seen any God besides you, who acts for the one who waits for him. You meet him who rejoices and does righteousness, who remembers you in your ways. You are indeed angry, for we have sinned. In these ways we continue, and we need to be saved. 
But we are all like an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are like filthy rags. We all fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. And there is no one who calls on your name, who stirs himself up to take hold of you. For you have hidden your face from us, and have consumed us because of our iniquities. But now, O Lord, you are our Father, we are the clay, and you are our potter. And all we are like the work of your hand. Do not be furious, O Lord, nor remember iniquity forever. Indeed, please look, we all are your people. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please stand. This morning's psalm is Psalm 80. We'll read responsibly by the asterisk. Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock. Before Ephraim, Benjamin, and Manasseh. Restore us, O God. O Lord, God of hosts. You have fed them with the bread of tears. You have made us a strife to our neighbors. Restore us, O God of hosts. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, it is now, and will be forever. This morning's second reading comes from Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, beginning in chapter 1. Paul, called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God, and Sosthenes, our brother, to the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those who were sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, with all who in every place call on the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given to you by Christ Jesus, that you were enriched in everything by him, in all utterance and all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that you come short in no gift, eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will also confirm you to the end, that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. The word of the Lord. Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Mark. St. Mark, chapter 13, beginning in verse 33. Take heed, watch, and pray, for you do not know when the time is. It is like a man going to a far country 
who left his house and gave authority to his servants and to each his work and commanded the doorkeeper to keep watch. Watch, therefore, for you do not know when the master of the house is coming, in the evening, at midnight, at the crowing of the rooster, or in the morning, lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping. And what I say to you, I say to all, watch the gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. So last year, I actually had the privilege of uh, preaching on Advent, the first Sunday of Advent. So I looked back at my notes back then, and lo and behold, the title of my sermon last year was Wake Up, Get Dressed, Jesus is Coming. I like that title. That's a great title. And then 2020 happened. And let me tell you, if you were caught and you weren't awake and you weren't dressed and ready for it, then 2020 might have rolled over you because the things that we're facing as our culture and as a people are overwhelming. It's okay to admit that. Like I said last week, it's okay if you felt anxious this year. That's a part of what's going on in the world. And maybe you think, well, I personally haven't suffered that much from COVID, or I personally was excited that Biden might have won the election, or maybe there's some other great thing that's happening in the world that you're excited about. I want to argue that you're not exempt from the cultural shifts that are going on among us, and that we need to be awake, we need to be dressed, we need to be ready to go, right? I pulled that out of the collect, right? It said, wake up and put on the armor of light. There's something that we need to do here in Advent season. And I think, honestly, Advent might be the most important season of 2020. That's what I'm arguing today. Because the call of Advent is prepare for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And that is the call that I think has been resonating through this pulpit, through our church, through the people that I've been talking to. God wants to do something here and now. And thank God for Advent. I mean, you know that song that's playing, and they call it a Christmas song, but I'm going to call it an Advent song. It's the most wonderful time of the year. There's something about Advent, and the whole culture knows it. Why do you think that there's Christmas trees everywhere and Christmas lights? We were driving down the road before even Thanksgiving, and Rowan saw that they put some lights on the tree. He goes, oh, the trees are decorated. And there's a wonder in his response. It's because there's something in us as people that knows we need to prepare the way of the Lord. Whether we're responding to dollar signs or we're responding to an actual call from the Holy Spirit, the whole world is preparing the way for Christmas. And that is so Christian. And so as soon as Thanksgiving's over, I stop carping about how, oh, you can't do Christmas before Thanksgiving. And, you know, technically Christmas is a day and then you have 12 days of feasting afterwards. That's wonderful. Absolutely. Celebrate Christmas. Celebrate the 12 days. But I don't think there's anything wrong with celebrating and preparing your hearts for Christmas. Entering in. We put up our Christmas tree. We decorated yesterday. It was an awesome Time, Because what we're saying with our actions is that we are preparing the way of the Lord. There's something more than just the mushy feelings that you get when you look on a lit Christmas tree. So I say all that to say, pay attention this Advent. 
Because there's something that God wants to tell to each of us through this seasonal change. Prepare the way of the Lord. He's coming. So we're going to go through the Old Testament reading. Because I feel like the Old Testament just resonated in a special way with me as I was reading it this week. In light of all the things that we've been facing in 2020. So we're actually going to read it line by line. And we're going to talk about what's going on here. What is Isaiah crying out to God for? Because it's a really powerful uh, lament. It's called a national lament if you look up the commentaries, right? He's calling out and he's crying out because Israel needs God to show up in their time. When Isaiah's writing, it's going to start sounding familiar, right? The country that he's in is cut in half. Half the people are over here and half the people are over there and they're at war with each other. When Isaiah's writing, they're surrounded by enemies. Many people want them to fail. People are coming against them, full armies of people. And they're caught up in idolatry and sin. They've discarded their traditional serving of the Lord and they've embraced newfangled gods that they think are going to save them. They've embraced sin. They've thrown off the yoke of God's wonderful, caring government. It sounds something like what's going on in America today, right? You've got a divided country, people who seriously think that the person who voted differently from them is their enemy, that they deserve to, to, to die even, I've seen. It's, it's, it's an insane thought that we are so divided in the ways that we believe about the world. But it's not new. You have to know it's not new. And that God has been rescuing Israel in the Bible from those circumstances and nations of the world since the beginning of history. God's job is to rescue us, right? He took that on himself. So I think we can resonate with what Isaiah is writing here. So he starts with this. Oh, that you would rend the heavens, that you would come down. Sorry, but that's how it's written. There's exclamation points there. It's strong language. We read that and we're like, oh, that you would rend the heavens, that you would come down. We don't use the word rend very often, but he's like, rip open the sky and break through into our lives. We need you. And this is a, this is a desert people. They know what it's like to have droughts. They know when the heavens are shut up, everything dies. First the crops, then the cattle, then the people. They've seen that happen in their generations. They know people who've died of hunger and starvation because the heavens were shut up. And so when Isaiah says, rend the heavens, he's not just saying, he's not writing poetry the way that we think of poetry. It's not this thing. He's saying like, God, I need you. It's a passionate plea that he's making because he knows the depths of his need for God. If you can't take anything away from 2020, take this away. We need God in our life. We can't do it by ourselves. We're just not strong enough to do it by ourselves. So he's calling on God to break through in these circumstances. And I'll say one more thing about this. I think the problem that we often have with understanding the cries in the Bible come from the fact that we are so comfortable. It comes from the fact that we don't get the language that's used sometimes. The famous example, the one that I've used before, is when it says, As a deer pants for water, so my soul thirsts for you. And we're like, oh, that's so cute. A little fawn, you know, he's like, oh, I'm thirsty. Oh, there's a little brook. And he's, you know, my soul thirsts for you. No, they're talking about like a deer who is going to die if he cannot get water. 
that image was right for them because they, they actually lived in a place where water was scarce. We actually technically do live in a place where water is scarce, right? California's been in droughts, but because of our technology, because of our infrastructure, we've been able to survive it where you may not even know that you've been in a drought. That's unimaginable for the people that are writing these words. Oh, that you would rend the heavens. We're so comfortable. Even when things are going bad in our life, we can go home, have a nice glass of wine, and turn on Netflix. That wasn't an option. When these nations were at war, they went home and they boarded up their windows because who knows if an arrow is going to fly in and kill you. Or they had to scrounge for food and water for miles to provide for their family. I say all that not to condemn the culture that God has allowed us to build. I think there's many miraculous blessings that God has used the technology to heal people, to bring light into dark places, to bring water to people who thirst. I think that's part of God's mission in the world and bringing his kingdom to earth. I think he's used some of the things that we take for granted today to build up the world and to redeem people from poverty and death. But we have to know that there's a danger there. There's a danger that we will forget what it means to cry out for God, to rend the heavens and show up and break through in our circumstances. So we actually are responsible for cultivating a hunger for God's presence in our life. Moving on, he says that the mountains might shake at your presence as fire burns brushwood and as fire causes water to boil. So this is fun, right? Because he's... He makes this analogy, he says, so that the mountains might shake. And we remembered that in our worship, right? God is the creator of all that is, and we take it for granted. But you know, when the creator shows up, even the mountains shake. And then he makes it clear, he's like, as fire burns brushwood and as fire causes water to boil. What's he saying? He's saying the very property of fire showing up causes the brushwood to burn, causes the water to boil. It can't be separate. You can't have fire there that doesn't cause those things. When God shows up, things change. Things that were immovable become movable. Things that were dead, dying, smoldering ashes become inflamed and enlivened. That's what he's calling for for his nation. He looked around and he he saw a smoldering ruin of what Israel had been under King David and Solomon and the ways that they had been before. And he's crying out, God, set us on fire. Change the culture, change the atmosphere, show up and rescue us. We need you. And then he furthers, he further, he says, to make your name known to your adversaries that the nations may tremble at your presence. He knows where his salvation is. He's surrounded by enemies, but he knows if God shows up, then the nations will tremble. If God shows up, then they'll know that they have more to deal with than a paltry divided kingdom. In the New Testament, Paul teaches us that the enemies of the Lord are the ideologies ideologies that hold people captive, the lies that enslave people. In 2 Corinthians 10:4, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy, these are the enemies, arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. So when God shows up, when his name is known, right, to make your name known to your enemies, then the ideas that hold people captive fall apart. When God shows up, addiction can be healed. When God shows up, 
that generational sin of bitterness and unforgiveness can be redeemed and you can be set free. Or maybe it's pride that you're holding on to. When God shows up, it's hard to remain prideful, right? You see people, even when his angels show up, people just fall down in fear. That's not prideful. That's a humble response. And so my point in this is that when we call for God to show up, the enemies that he's going to vanquish might be within your own heart and mind. And so when we're calling for him, keep that in mind. There are things that we need to be set free from. Tendencies, anger, pride, bitterness, jealousy, envy, all of those things. God wants to set us free so that we can live in the joy of the Lord. So when we call for him to show up and make our enemies tremble, let's not pretend that our enemies are his enemies. His enemies, hopefully we can learn to make his enemies our enemies, the lies that keep us captive. But sometimes we think he's going to show up and that neighbor that's really annoying us because he's doing this, that, or the other thing is going to tremble. It's like, that's not what God's here for. He's here to set that person free. Continuing. When you did awesome things for which we did not look, you came down and the mountains shook at your presence. So Isaiah's recalling, right? He's like, I'm calling you to come down. You've done it before. You did it and we weren't even looking for it. Now this one's fascinating, right? Because that's the beauty of how God works in our life. So often he shows up unlooked for. So often he shows up in a way that nobody could expect. What are we celebrating? We're celebrating the fact that God became a baby from a no-name person that we know as Mary. Somebody who was in scandal and shame because people thought she was sleeping around before she got married. And he showed up in a manger. That didn't make any sense. It still doesn't. Where is the place in your life where you're looking for a rescue and God wants to show up in an unexpected way? Sometimes we're so certain we know what God, what we want God to do for us. God, if you just gave me this money to pay for this bill, or if you just gave me this job that would solve this problem, or if you just did this for me, then I'd be happy. Then I'd have what I needed. Let's be open to the fact that when we call God to show up, it's probably going to be in a way that we could have never predicted. He's been doing it since the beginning. People are always shocked. And the other aspect of this is that the reason it was unlooked for was because the people had lost hope. What Isaiah is referring to, he's referring to when the Israelites were in Egypt. Earlier in the chapter, he references that. He's referring to the fact that God set them free from slavery. And do you know what? If you read those stories, the Israelites were not even looking for God to set them free. They were just satisfied with where they were at. They were miserable. They were complaining, but they weren't calling out for deliverance. They weren't. They were actually mad at Moses a lot of the time as he was setting them free. There's a place where we can give up hope. And so God shows up unlooked for. So just keep that in mind, that gospel lesson, right? It's like, watch. You don't know when he's going to show up. Advent's like, perk up, wake up, pay attention. God's going to show up. For since the beginning of the world, men have not heard nor perceived by ear, nor has the eye seen any God besides you who acts for the one who waits for him. So this is what Isaiah is doing. He's calling out for God to show up, and then he's reminding himself and God of the ways God has shown up and who God is. How important is that to remind yourself of who God is? He's saying nobody is like you. There's no other thing that saves us except for God. There's no other God. 
What are we going to turn to? It's only you. And then the secret here, right? Where is your trust? In Psalm 121 it says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. It's so easy for us to think that our help is going to come from other places. We have to know where our help's going to come from. And when we know where to look for our salvation, then we can wait on the Lord. As Jesus was saying, watch therefore, for you do not know when the master of the house is coming, at evening or in the midnight, at the crowing of the rooster or in the morning, lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping. And what I say to you, I say to you all, watch. Now there's an interesting way of reading that passage where the idea being conveyed by Jesus is that he's going to lull us to sleep over the course of time or there's going to be persecution and we're going to fall away and there's just going to be these few people who are really diligent, who really know to watch for the Lord and then they're going to be saved and everybody else is going to burn. There's a way of reading this passage where everything Jesus has said before that gets transformed into judgment. If you don't do what I told you to do, if you're not watching, I'm going to show up, I'm going to see what you're doing, and I'm going to smite you. That's not what Jesus is saying. That is not what Jesus is telling his disciples. What he's telling them is, just wait and see how I'm going to show up in your life. You're going to want to see this. You're not going to want to miss it. Watch. It's going to be amazing. It's going to rescue you. It's going to transform everything that you ever thought about how the world should work. And you know what? He did. He died. They weren't looking for him. And he showed up. And he spoke what word? He spoke peace to them. The one thing that they had completely lost when he died on the cross. They lost all their peace. They were afraid. They were locking their doors because they thought they were coming next. They were going to die next. And then Jesus showed up unexpectedly and said, hey, I told you to watch. Have peace. I'm here. That's us. That's what Jesus wants to say, right? What I say to you, I say to all. Jesus is reinforcing the fact that that's our job, is to watch for the Lord to show up in power in our life, to bring peace into situations that we don't think can have peace, to bring rescue to situations that are hopeless. There's a reason that this Sunday is called the Hope Sunday of Advent. Because all of these messages are not messages of judgment, but of hope. Continuing, you meet him who rejoices and does righteousness, who remembers you in your ways. So Isaiah just remembered God in his ways. He's trying to rejoice and praise him. And then he goes, you meet those guys who rejoice and praise you and remember your ways. He's claiming the blessing. He's like, God, you, you, I know you meet people who rejoice and praise you. And so I'm doing that. Now meet me. I'm calling on your name, who you are, to remember me and to meet me. Last week, what did we talk about? Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks. We say that because we want Jesus to meet us in our life. We're stewarding the presence of the Holy Spirit. Like my mom gave this great word at the end where she pulled out this psalm and it said basically that Thanksgiving prepares the way of salvation. That's what we're looking for here in this Advent, to prepare the way of salvation. And why does it say who remembers you in your ways? That's what we preached last week. When you can remember what God has done, you remember that you're part of a bigger story. 
And that thing that looks so hopeless, that looks like you can't overcome it, you remember who God is, what He's done, what He's doing, what He's promised to do, and that changes the whole atmosphere when you go through that discipline of remembering His ways. And then He turns, and He turns to something that I want to argue is one of the most powerful things in the world. He turns to repentance. I don't know if there's any force in an individual's life that's more powerful than repentance. He says to God, you are indeed angry for we have sinned. What he's saying is it's right that you have a beef against us because we messed up. He's not saying, God, you're an angry father who's looking to smite us. If you read all of Isaiah, you see that's not how God is represented. He's saying that it is right that we are going through hardship because we put ourselves there. It's right that you're angry with us. It's right that we aren't experiencing your favor because we're running from you. We are sinful people. In these ways we continue and we need to be saved. That is repentance. It's acknowledging the fact that we are sinful, we're still sinful, and we need God to show up in our life to transform that. Now, of course, Jesus has paid the price for our sins yesterday, today, and forever. But what that means is that we can boldly approach the throne of grace. And we can ask for forgiveness. It's already paid for But we go through that process because from glory to glory, he's changing us. He's actually helping us shed off that old man, the sin that we have in our life, and embrace the new life that is like Christ. There's nothing more powerful in your life than continually going through the process of repentance because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's what we do when we bring the kingdom into our life. We repent of the ways that we've not embraced God's will, his promises, and then he's able, that prepares the way for him to transform us and to bring his kingdom into our life. And he continues, right? We are like an unclean thing. All of our righteousness are like filthy rags. We fade as a leaf and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. That's just perspective. If you think you've got it going, just remember all your righteousness is as filthy rags. That it doesn't compare to the goodness of God. That God wants to bring you further in, deeper. Don't get caught in that little trap where it's like, I've got everything going. I don't need to repent and come to God. Don't get caught there. He wants to bring you into more goodness. And then he says, and there is no one who calls on your name, who stirs himself up to take hold of you. For you have hidden your face from us and have consumed us because of our iniquities. And that really resonates with me this morning as I look at America Today, as I look at our state today, as I look at our community, who is out there who's stirring themselves to grab hold of God, who is looking to grab hold of Jesus? It reminds me of the woman with the issue of blood who comes and she grabs hold of his robe and she's healed because she stirred herself in her discomfort, in her uncleanness, in her shame over her what they would call an unclean illness, something that means that she's an outcast. She can't participate in the society anymore. She stirs herself in that midst and she reaches for Jesus and she's healed. Who is out there who is stirring themselves to reach out, who realizes that we are insufficient, that we need to repent and turn to him, who's stirring themselves to reach out to Jesus? Because when you grasp hold of him, he will heal you. That's the promise we get again and again. This is commonly called stir-up Sunday for that very passage. Who stirs himself up to grasp hold of you. It's like, wake up, 
Advent's here, it's time to stir yourself up. And it's so fun, the liturgical calendar, because we get to do it every year. Because you know what? God knows us. He knows that over time we get lulled into a sense of commonplace. We get complacency, really. We get lulled into the sense of apathy. It's like we just do the same thing over and over again. So he builds rhythms into our life where we can stir ourselves up and pursue him. We talk about Advent being semi-penitential. And sometimes we think that that's like dour and doom and gloom, like remember your sins because God's coming and you just better watch out. It's not that. It's stir yourself up because the kingdom is here. Remember. And we talk about that all the time. But in this particular season, I'm believing God's going to show up in special ways. As he does rhythmically throughout time, he shows up in special ways and he brings us to that next level, that next step in our life. He brings us our daily bread. But now, O Lord, and this is the turn at the end that's so beautiful. You are our father. We are the clay. You are our potter. And all we are the work of your hands. So he's repented, he's called out, and then he acknowledges the relationship that God has with us. He's the loving father who is shaping us for his purposes. Sometimes we get so caught up in the missions that God has given us that we forget God's more concerned with the man than with the mission. He's okay if your mission crashes and burns over and over again, if it's bringing the transformation in your heart that he is longing for. And you just don't know what he's going to turn for your good and for your benefit. If you're constantly turning to him in trust, if you're constantly reminding yourself that you have a loving father who is shaping you, then I promise you that he will bring the prosperity that your heart desires. It's not earthly prosperity, it's kingdom prosperity. And when I look at people like my mom and dad, that's what I want. They don't have the nicest house. They'd love to have a nicer house. And maybe they will someday. But do you know what they always say? We are blessed beyond measure because look at our family. Look at our kids. Look at the people who are loving and serving God. He wants to change our thoughts on prosperity at the same time as he invites us to trust him as he shapes our lives. And lastly, do not be furious, O Lord. Sometimes I think of my own thoughts and opinions, and I think, man, how could God not be furious? I just mess up so bad sometimes. And I'm just shocked. I'm like, man, I know better. I shouldn't have lost my temper. I shouldn't have said that, or whatever it is. And I'm thinking, man, God is so much better than we know. If we can truly trust that he's not mad at us, that he's forgiven us, that he'll never forsake us. We can trust that. That's an awesome promise. Nor remember iniquity forever. Indeed, please look, we are all your people. And that's really awesome because when you enter into the relationship of Jesus Christ, when you're baptized into the fellowship of the saints, you can always lay claim to that. We are your people, God. That, our membership's been bought with a price. And we have a standing in the kingdom because of what Jesus paid for us. So that we can confidently state, we are your people, save us. And we know he'll answer those prayers. And you know what's crazy about reading this whole prayer? It feels so relevant to who we are today. And it feels so real. Guess what? God answered Isaiah's prayer. This prophetic prayer was answered 450 years after Isaiah prophesied it. He prophetically prayed for deliverance from their enemies. And do you know what? They had it. Not going to go into a whole history lesson, but the point is we need to take hold of this prayer and make it part of us 
That's what the Bible's for. The Psalms and the things that we pray in the Bible is so that we can take hold of the promises of God. But every prayer in the Bible that you see all these prophecies, they get fulfilled. And ultimately, every prophecy and prayer in the Old Testament is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. He's fulfilled in his birth. The thing that we're looking forward to, that's the same thing that Isaiah was looking forward to. When he said, oh God, rend the heavens, open it up, he did it in the form of the baby laying in the manger. He did it, he announced it with his star in the heavens that shows this rift. It's almost like you can imagine that star is a rift and you see the light of heaven is shining down on the manger, guiding people to the promise that I did, I rent the heavens and I came down and I rescued you, my people. We can lay hold of that victory even as we look forward to the full fullness of that promise. Advent is about looking for God to show up and rescue us at unlooked for times in unimagined ways. We may not know the day or the hour or the manner of his coming, but this Sunday is called Hope Sunday because the one thing we know for certain, he is coming. And therefore we proclaim the mystery of our faith. Christ has died, Christ has risen, and Christ will come again. Amen? Let us continue the Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again, according to the scriptures, and ascended into heaven and is seated on the right hand of the Father. And he shall come again with glory to judge the living and the dead, whose kingdom shall have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken to the prophets. And I believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Let us pray for the church and for the world. Father, we pray for your holy Catholic church. That we all may be one. Grant that every member of the church may truly and humbly serve you. That your name be glorified by all people. We pray for all bishops, priests, and deacons. That they may be faithful ministers of your word and sacrament. We pray for all who govern and hold authority in the nations of the world. That there may be justice and peace on the earth. Give us grace to do your will in all that we undertake. That our works may find favor in your sight. Have compassion on those who suffer from any grief or trouble. Give to the departed eternal rest. Let light perpetual shine upon them. We praise you for your saints who have entered into joy. 
We ask these prayers in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. The peace of the Lord be always with you. With your spirit. Share the peace with your neighbor as much as you can. So the Lord be with you. I'm so glad you guys came today. And for those that are joining us online, we're really glad that you can join in. That, uh, As Jesse said, this tech crew has done just a phenomenal job with the cameras. And, and it's really the Lord did an amazing thing. He really put it on Bishop and Jesse's heart to, to get that going. Because we had churches that were you know, in different places uh, that wanted to tune in. And we started all that before COVID, before we even heard of it. Um, and it's really allowed us to, to reach a lot of people. I know Bishop watches faithfully when he, when he can't be here. I know that his back is still difficult, so we need to continue to pray for Bishop. Uh, there are some who are still kind of going through COVID quarantine and, and stuff, so we just need to continue to pray for them. Glad to see Father Powell here. Glad you're off of your quarantine. <laughs> so that's good. That's good, and, and not sick or anything. So that's really what we're hoping for. Uh, the announcements... Um, the men's meeting that was supposed to happen on this last Wednesday didn't because of Bishop's back and the quarantine and Eric was out of town and it just didn't seem like we just couldn't get together the group that we needed. So we've moved it to December 16th. That's a Wednesday in um, two weeks, two and a half weeks. It's Wednesday. It will be here. It'll be at seven o'clock and uh, it'll be a great opportunity to come together as the men of the church uh, Bishop likes to give kind of a state of where we are, kind of a plan going forward. Uh, Father Powell has some stuff that's burning in his heart that he wants to share as usual. <laughs> He's always got something to say, uh, which is a good thing. Uh, anyway, that's our men's meeting, December 16th at 7 p.m. And I think that's it. Good. As we prepare to receive the body and blood of Christ in the Eucharist, let us respond to God's word by engaging with him in musical worship and presenting to God our tithes and offerings out of that which God has given to us. Together, through Christ, let us continually offer to God the sacrifice of praise. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. But do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. the Lord. 
something to have hope for that our king has come <laughs> we can look backwards and forward the lord be with you and with your lord's spirit lift up your hearts we lift them up unto the lord give thanks to the lord our god it is right to give him thanks and praise father all powerful and ever living god we do well always and everywhere to give you thanks through jesus christ our lord for when he humbled himself to come among us in human flesh, he fulfilled the plan you formed before the foundation of the world to open for us the way of salvation. Confident that your promises will be fulfilled, we now watch for the day when Christ our Lord will come again in glory. And so, with all the choirs of heaven, we proclaim your glory and join in their unending hymn of praise. Holy, holy, holy Lord. God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Lord, you are holy indeed, the fountain of all holiness. Let your Holy Spirit come upon these gifts to make them holy, so they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Before he was given up to death, the death he freely accepted, he took bread and he gave you thanks. 
he broke the bread and he gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When supper was in it, he took the cup. Again, he gave you thanks and praise. He gave the cup to his disciples and said, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this for the, forgive, for the remembrance of me. Let us therefore proclaim the mystery of our faith. Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. In memory of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Father, this life-giving bread, this saving cup. We thank you for counting us worthy to stand in your presence and to serve you. May all of us who share in the body and blood of Jesus be brought together in unity by the Holy Spirit. Lord, remember your church throughout the world. Make us grow in love, together with our patriarch Craig, our Bishop Douglas, and with all the clergy. Remember those for whom we now pray. Olivia, Connie, Susan, Carl, Serena, Naomi. Rachel, Nadia, Kyle, Sonia, Sandra, Maria, Karen, Father David and Darcy, Tammy, Thomas, Kyla, Dan, Bishop Davidson, Jason, the Landon family, Gage, the Okies, the Powell family, the Marines and sailors of Camp Pendleton and all who serve. Other names may be added. Draw our hearts to remember the poor and the broken. As we receive the body and blood of Jesus, may we be transformed to become the body of Christ to the world. Have mercy on us all. Make us worthy to share eternal life with the apostles, the martyrs, with St. Michael and all thy saints. May we praise you in union with them and give you glory through your Son, Jesus Christ. By him, with him, and in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, forever and ever. Amen. Jesus taught us to call God our Father, and so we have the courage to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast. Lamb of God, you take away the sin of the world. Lamb of God, you take away the sin of the world. Lamb of God, you take away the sin of the world. The gifts of God for the people of God. Take them in remembrance that Jesus died for you and feed on him in your hearts with thanksgiving. Blessed are those who were called to his supper.
Let us pray. Eternal God, Heavenly Father, you have graciously accepted us as living members of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And you have fed us with the spiritual food in the sacrament of his body and blood. Send us now into the world in peace and grant us strength and courage to love and serve you with gladness and singleness of heart. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in the battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all evil spirits who wander throughout the world, seeking the ruin of souls. As you go out from this place, always remember the gospel. God was in Christ Jesus, reconciling the world to himself, not counting our sins against us. God loves us. God has forgiven us. God's not even mad at us. And God will never leave us or forsake us. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, be with you and those you love and care for now and forever. Amen. Amen.